Hey, Boker Tov. Today's daf is daf Lamed in Sochem. We learn for a four shleima for Tova Miriam Bastvara Mindel. <clears throat> We're up to the two dots, about ten lines down on daf Lamed uh, Amad Aleph. Now, <clears throat> we explained yesterday that uh, Rava Paskin at the top of the page that the halacha is like Rab Shimon, that before and after Pesach, it's mutter tevano, and you could eat the chametz, technically she'oberlava Pesach, except if it was owned by a Jew during Pesach, Reb Shimon said it's oser bahano. Why? Because not really midaraisa, midarabonin, because since you were a bad boy and you were over in Lo'erlecha, we gave you a knas. However, that's only if it's direct chametz. In other words, it's pure chametz. However, if there's a mixture involved, so if there's a mixture involved, we said that's mutter. So at the top of the page, Rabbi said, There he paskins like Rab. Like Rashi explains why. Because min b'mino lo bottle. So chometz b'smano bein b'mino bein shelo b'mino osur because it's on on Pesach itself and it's osur b'mashu. Any amount is osur on Pesach because of the chomer. Again, not the oraisa. Mid oraisa. Go basurov, it's bottle, right? It could be bottle. But Mirabonan, there goes there, because the old Minmino is low bottle, and therefore uh, that's why Minmino low bottle, that could even be Doraisa. But Minjashainomino, if it's a small amount mixed with a different kind of a species, it should be bottle. But because of the Chumrah of Chumitz, it's a Kares, and people are, don't stay away from it, where Machmarin said that even Minjashainomino is also Usr on Pesach itself. However, after Pesach, whether it's Bamina Mino, it's Mutter. Why? Because Chametz after Pesach is really Mutter. The only thing is that if you kept Chametz Be'en, Chametz, you know, uh, pure Chametz on Pesach because you were a bad boy, so after Pesach, the Rabbanan gave you a Knas and said it's Osir to eat. But, if it, but since if, if, if it's a mixture, then that, that uh, Chumrah didn't apply. And therefore, uh, you're allowed to eat it after Pesach if it's a mixture. Any sort of a mixture. Amar Rav. Amar Rav. Now, um, uh, so, wait, wait, right, right. So, after Pesach, his mutter uh, is, is mutter, as we just said, because he paskins like Rav Shimon, that basically it's anyway mutter after Pesach, and there's no, uh, there's no gzeira because it's a mixture. Now we get to the issue of plates. Amar Rav, at the two dots. Kedairus for Pesach Yishavu. Let's say you have pots, pots, earthenware pots that you used all year round, what do you do with them on Pesach? They got chametz in them. So Rav holds, not like wheel. Rav says you got to break them. Earthenware cannot be kosher. It's not like metal or glass, which doesn't really absorb, uh, as we'll see. But uh, metal pots or wood things that can be kosher, not so with earthenware. The Torah says when it comes to earthenware, something that was that had some sul in it, you can't eat it. Uh, if it was uh, goy, uh, it was uh, trephus or whatever that was absorbed in it, the same thing with chametz. You got to destroy. It. So Rav says you have to destroy it. Now, that's not the, even though we say if it's got something trephus, you can't get rid of it. But what about uh, chametz after Pesach? We're talking about uh, obviously you're not going to use them on Pesach, but you're talking about pots that you had before Pesach that had chametz in them. Can you use them after Pesach? So Rav says you got to break them. You can't use them. So like says right away, Vamai leshinu achra Pesach. Wait a minute, leave them till after Pesach. There's no chametz ben over there. There's no ba'yirah ba'imatzei, and v'levdu ben shelob aminam. Even Rav, who was the most machmer, Rav says that on Pesach ben b'minam ben shenayim and after Pesach b'minam it's also because min b'minam lo bottle, right? And he holds like 
Rav Yehuda, who said that after Pesach you can't eat chametz. Chametz over Pesach midaraisa is also, even if it belonged to a goy, we had that, right? Any chametz after Pesach, any chametz that was around on Pesach, after Pesach, you can't eat, you can't find even that of a goy. So even, so I understand Rav says that, but he's still moda that min mino, it should be bottled. So why don't you leave it till after Pesach and do it shalom and mix it and cook to something there. There was a different min, a different min so that it should be bottled so that the chametz will be bottled in the other min and it would be mutter. So the answer is because the concern is that you might you might not be so careful and you might mix it with the same min. Then meaning it bottle and you'll come out eating that. So this is according to Rav who holds Number one, min mishino, min mishino, min mino is low bottle, like Rashi, like the Gemara seems to be poskening that way according to Rashi. Min mino low bottle. But more than that, more than that, he also holds that it's usher after Pesach. According to Rab Shimon, it wouldn't be usher after Pesach. Why? Because number one, it's even less than a mashu. If you talk about a mashu, it's not even a mashu because it's only what's absorbed in the pot itself. So Rashi explained when Rav said that, that it's usher, he says, Rav goes to go to the Chumas after Pesach is usher like Rav Yudah, and it's a mashu, and he also holds another concept of no St. Tom of Gam. When over here, what you're talking about is what flavor is there? Before Pesach, you cook Chumas in there, right? Some tafshul of Chumas. Now you're saying after Pesach, you're going to use it. Yeah, but anything that's absorbed in the pot, you want a clean pot, right? Anything that's absorbed there is going to impart a flavor that's bad. It's going to be. It's going to have a. It's going to have a deteriorating, deteriorating effect on the new dish that you're going to cook after Pesach. So Rav holds that no sintam lefgam is osur. We don't hold that way. We the halacha is not like him. Rashi says number one. We when it comes to tarubas after after uh, Pesach, we hold that it's mutter like Rav Shimon, like Rav Paskin at the top of the page. That anyway, a mixture after Pesach is okay. It's bottle. So, therefore, uh, number one, any mixture after Pesach is okay, because according to Rabbi Shimon Midarai, so you could eat chametz after chametz Pesach. So, a mixture is certainly okay. So, number one, we don't paskin like Rav in this aspect, and number two, we don't paskin like Rav, because we hold no sentam of gam is mutter. Even if it would impart a flavor, uh, a flavor, even if the chametz in the pot, in the earthenware pot, would impart a flavor, that's mutter. So, we don't paskin like this, halacha, but that's what Rav said. Rav said, if you have chametz dika pots, earthenware pots, you got to destroy them. There's no way to kasher them. So why can't you just use it after Pesach, like we said, and mix it with min b'she'en amino? Because we're afraid you'll become a mix of amino, and Rav holds that that would uh, be also. Shmuel says no. Shmuel is the halacha. Shmuel amar lo yishavur. You don't have to break the earthenware vessels. You leave them till after Zman. You can mix them either way, whether B'min or She'en because as we said before, you're allowed to eat Chomet Shalav or Pesach, and the Yisra is only Drabbanan because you're a bad boy, but B'She'en Amino, B'Taruvos, Min B'She'en Amino, or Min B'Mino, either way would be Ut-Mutter. Shmuel goes according to his reasoning, Shmuel held, Shmuel held that you're allowed to eat Chomet Shalav or Pesach. So over here, if you have earthenware vessel that you cooked chametz in all year round, and now it comes to Pesach, you don't have to destroy it. You wouldn't use it on Pesach, but after Pesach, you could use it. Cook whatever you want in there. It's only going to be a mixture of whatever was imparted into the pot together with the new food. So number one, as we said, the, what it imparts is not really usher anyway, because it's no time of gum. 
Number two, it's really mutter anyway. Even if, you ate, even if it was real chametz, you could eat it after Pesach. So there's no problem. So Shmuel goes according to his reasoning. Shmuel told those people who sold new vessels, new pots after Pesach, right? That was a big thing, right? A lot of people had to get rid of their pots, whatever, or they didn't have room for both. So after Pesach, a lot of people would buy new New, uh, you know, new tableware, new uh, pots and pans. So he told those people, make your uh, prices even. In other words, don't, uh, don't do any price gouging after Pesach because you know that's a time when there's a big demand. Charge the regular price. And if you're not, I'm going to tell everybody that you can use the old pots anyway. And if you, if you want to sell new pots after Pesach, fine, but charge a reasonable uh, rate. If you're going to be price gouging and charging a lot of money, I'm going to tell everybody you can use the old pots from before, before Pesach like Rav Shimon. So what do you mean I'm going to tell them? So this is more of a leadership. So let him talk that way. Shmuel, anybody else like Rav Shimon? Why does he say, if not, if you don't charge a nice price, I'll tell everybody they can use the old pots. Why doesn't he tell them anyway they could use the old pots? Because he owes its mutter. The answer is Asrei Duravu. It was Rav's town, and he didn't want to paskin against Rav. Rav held that the halacha is like Rabbi Yudah, that Chamesh of Pesach is Asr. It's only be mutter in a particular case like this. So he told people, Rav told people, <coughs> destroy your pots, even though technically, even according to Rav, you could use the pots after Pesach and cook them with another species so that it wouldn't, there would be a tarubos that would be, uh, that would be overpowered by the, uh, by the majority in there. So, uh, so but, but he could do that. But he said, don't break them in case you're not going to. That's what Rav told him to do. So, but Shmuel didn't want to paskin uh, like Rav Shimon in Rav's town. But basically, Shmuel hold that it's mutter. Somebody was asking something before, I think. I heard something. Ryan? Yes. What, I don't understand. First, I don't understand what is... In the case of absorbing, absorption, yeah. what does mino mean? Okay, so... What, what are you mixing? Okay, you're mixing, there's chametz in there, right? Let's say, it's, let's say these, these pots were used for chametz, right? You cooked some dish that had bread or flour in there, and now mix it with uh, chicken soup or something else, some other min, some other species that's not chametz. So that's the question. Would, when but, did but, it, what about, yeah. but does it mean that it has to be the same cake? No, 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 no. Min bimino means like flour with flour, you know, we're supposed to uh, flour with fruits or something else, you know, it's a different species, so it'll overpower. Or me. No, 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 not, no, not two kinds of chametz. If it's the same min, it's, that, that's chametz. Yeah, it could, vary, it could be two different kinds of chametz. Let's say you had uh, uh, wheat and barley, you know, it could also be a min bishen amino if, it could be, if, you could be, if you could taste the difference. Usually when we talk about min bishen amino, it means something. Min bimino, you can't taste the difference. It's the same species. So meat and meat, whether it's uh, uh, I don't know, goat meat or, uh, or uh, lamb meat, maybe you can't taste the difference. So min bimino usually means if you can't taste the difference. If you can taste the difference, then it's, then it's min bimino. <laughs> so, isn't, isn't, yeah. Isn't, isn't, isn't Correct. Uh, yeah. No, but that's when you have something that's usher, uh, in, that's in, inherently usher, right? That it's inherently usher. But over here, it's technically not usher. It's technically not usher because you're allowed to, you're allowed to, you're just cooking in something. Or you're taking something that's, uh, if you have a piece of tray for meat, you can't put uh, two pieces of kosher meat in there and mix it on purpose to, uh, to, to kosher it. But over here, the, 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 uh, the thing that you had was only usher because of, 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 uh, of Pesach. It's not really usher before Pesach or after Pesach. It's only, according to Rav Shimon, it's Bechlal Mutter. It's according to Rav Shimon, it's Bechlal Mutter, and even according to Rav, 
technically it's mutter too, as long as you don't, um, as long as you mix it with something else. It's it's mutter lechachila. You're allowed to do tarubos after pesach lechachila. We're not talking about something which it's also, something which is also you can't eat it. You're going to make it kosher. No, here basically you're not you're not talking about something which is also. It's something which is it's even less than a mashu. Rashi says a mashu. You could say it's bottled and comes to a chumer. Your mashu. This is even less than a mashu. There's not even any chametz. You're not looking at any chametz. You're talking about something that's in the walls of the of the pot. So technically, it's not really oser. And if anything, it's it's no Saint Tam Lafkam. When you cook with something, it gives imparts a bad flavor because it's old already. It's it's uh, you know the time the food is old, and therefore whatever's imparted in there is a bad taste. You'd rather clean it out and rinse out this pot and get rid of any um, leftover flavor that it has from the old dishes. Right? This is only going to make it worse. And no Saint Tam is really mutter. So whatever's in the pot, we're not talking about taking a piece of chametz of a pesach, according to Rav. According to Rav Shimon, it's mutter. But according to Rav, you had a piece of chametz, which is Shavu of a Pesach, that's also in a Torah. So there, if you took a piece of chametz and tried to mix it with something else, there I can understand your idea that chametz is also. Here, there's nothing really also. You're talking about a pot, which has some flavor in it. And that flavor is only really mutter. So according to Rav, you shouldn't do it. And according to Rav, you have to destroy it. You can't, you shouldn't mix, you could mix it with something which is Amino, and then it really wouldn't be also. The Rav's is machmer is destroyed. According to Rav and you're allowed to. Ha'utanor, a case. Ha'utanor, the tochobay techa. There was a ton or an oven that they greased it with, with fat, behemoth fat, animal fat, fleshics. Also, Rav, ha'iloi, lamechel, rifta, afil, memilchel, olam. He said, you can never use this oven uh, to bake bread. Why? Because the bread will have a taste of the fat. We'll have the, there will be meat in there, a taste of fat in there. And therefore, you shouldn't eat this bread. Even even just in the normal way you eat bread with relish or with salt, I feel the milk. Even even you eat it plain. Why? Because maybe sometimes <coughs> they would dip the bread in kuscha. Kuscha, <coughs> excuse me, is a famous dish that they had in those days, made from from sour milk and uh, and salt and and uh, crusted bread, old old bread, and they would use that as a dish. So the point is, it's milchix. It had milk in there, so therefore you might eat the bread with milk. And therefore, he asked using it since the oven was treated, was, was greased with animal fat. He said, you can't eat that. And these, these, are issues, these issues come up. I always give the example that uh, uh, when, uh, <clears throat> when the kosher bakery in Binghamton first became kosher, it, wasn't, it was a goyesha bakery, and they made it kosher, except the, uh, it was basically milichik. So the hot dog buns were milchik, which is a bit of a problem. Hot dog buns being sold in their milchik, right? So you got to be careful with these things, right? These things, they said here, don't use basically fleshika bread, a bread that's made from a fleshika oven. You shouldn't eat, you shouldn't eat that bread at all because you might come to eat the bread with butter. You know, today you'd eat it with butter or something milchik's with it, right? So you can't do it. That's what, that's what Rav, Rav Bari Loi said. Now we're going to ask a kasha on that. He says, because the tanner, okay, it was treated with, it was greased with fat once, but it's never going to be good again? You shouldn't knead uh, dough with milk. Right? You need dough with water. Don't use milk, because you're going to make it milchik, like the hot dog buns in Binghamton, right? And if you did, so it's all also. You can't eat any of the bread, even though the bread is basically just milchik. So it's milchik bread. Don't eat that bread. 
because many times you'll come to eat the bread with the uh, fleshics, right? So don't eat that bread. Milchike bread is forbidden. You would see, according to this Gemara, you shouldn't use milchike bread at all, right? It's forbidden to eat because you might come to use it with, uh, with hot dogs, right? Kiyotzba, a similar thing. You shouldn't grease the oven, right? With the fat, like the fat tail, meaning with fat, with fleshics. And if you did, all the bread is also the same idea because now the bread is fleshik. So you can't have milchik bread or fleshik bread. Bread should be parva, so you could eat it either way. Until you fire the oven again. In other words, if you grease the oven once with animal fat, you shouldn't use anything baked in there until you fire it up again. In other words, basically until you kasher the oven. That's what you would say today. But if you kasher the oven, it's mutter. So what Rav said to say before, he said, oh, if you grease the oven with animal fat, you can never use the bread that's baked in there. Never? What do you mean? When you fire it up again, uh, kasher it and do it again. Chifta the rabbi boy, chifta. It's a kasher rabbi boy. Of course, initially, if you greased it with animal fat, or if you greased it with uh, butter for that purpose, uh, milchiks, obviously you're making the bread that's cooking there now, milchiks or fleshiks. But once you fired it up again, you kashered it. What's wrong? And therefore, yes, kasher rabbi boy. Amalei rabbina, rabashi, bichimiachri, the toast of rava. So if of rava by loy, once we've slugged up rava by loy and said that he's wrong, why do Rav say Why do Rav say that pots, earthenware pots on Pesach have to be broken? What do you mean? Just kasher them. What's the problem? Very simple. We're talking about two different kinds of things. There we're talking about a metal oven. A metal oven can be kashered. Here we're talking about a pot made out of earthenware. An earthenware vessel cannot be kashered. Cannot be kashered. Now, why can't you kasher it with with fire, so we'll see, right? So one answer is, is that cheres cannot be kashered at all. Earthenware cannot be kashered. Like the Torah says, things have to be broken. And that's a metal pot. I'll tell you, even though it could be they're both made out of cheres. But the, and the oven that we're talking about kashering could also be made out of cheres. And that could be kashered if it's an oven. Why? In the case of the oven, the fire is on the inside. The earthenware ovens that they had, the fire was on the inside. You put the fire inside, you put the wood, the fuel at the bottom, and you made a fire, and you put the bread, you put the bread on the walls or further up in the oven. So then when the fire's on the inside, that can kosher it. But when you talk about a pot, how do you, how do you, where do you put the fire on the pot? The pot, when you have a pot, the pot, the fire's on the outside of the pot, underneath the pot. It's not going in where the food is. The food, right, in a, in a pot, you're koshering it on the uh, where you know where 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 you make the fire, where basically you're, you're where you're firing it up again. It's outside of the pot, underneath the pot. That's not going to kasha what's in the pot. But in an oven, uh, even though they're both earthenware, an oven you're firing it from within where the food is. Okay, fine. So make a fire on the inside of the earthenware pot. You're saying you want it to be like an oven. An earthenware oven, you can kosher because the fire's on the inside. So when you fire it up again, you're firing it where the food is and you're koshering it. So do the same thing on an earthenware pot. You won't do that because you'll spare it. You're afraid it's going gonna, it's gonna to burst. If you, put a, you have a pot, pot is not as strong as, let's say, a whole oven. An oven is made to put the fire on the inside. That's how they had the ovens in those days. So when you fired it up again, you effectively koshered it. But you're afraid, even if you could do that on a pot, you won't do it all the way. You won't put the fire inside. You're afraid it'll burst. Hilkach, therefore, hi, Bukhya. Yeah. Brian, mm-hmm. according to Gomorrah's first answer before the difference between metal and clay, Right. 
Why can't you forever for Rabbi Loy that way? Why do we say Rabbi Loy shlugged up? Yeah. Rabbi Loy was talking about metal. Correct. He was talking about metal, and therefore it could be kashered. So yeah, he said, Kamari, he, "No, he said Revaloy said it cannot be kashered forever." Right. And now I'm we've shown sorry. he was talking about he was talking about clay. Ah, he was talking. In other he, words, why can't you say he's not schlugged up? Yeah. What? I mean, that's a, a statement to say he was schlugged. He was wrong. He was right. Wrong. But. Right. Right. So so uh, so. And according to the first answer, Einachanam, you could say that. But the Gemara doesn't assume that. According to the first right. answer, you could say. According to the second answer, and 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 both uh, also there 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 could be that their stam tanners were made out of oven, uh, made out of uh, metal. The stam tanner was a stam tanner was made out of uh, out of metal. It could be, or it could, according to, or you go according to the second answer. According to the second answer, he slugged up because you see that even one made uh, even an oven made out of cheres could also be kashered. And Rav said it cannot be kashered. So according to, this, according to the first answer, you're right. According to the second answer, uh, he slugged up. Therefore, we say hi buchya. Now buchya is like a tile. Uh, like you know, we see the way the Arabs make the uh, make the pita. They they it's like a hard tile, like like our roof tiles here, uh, like a hard, a hard substance. But the the fire is on one side and the bread's on the other side. So I bukhya said since normally you the fire is on the opposite side of the food. That's what I mean. The outside it means on the opposite side of the food. Therefore, it's also you can't kasher it. The Imalya Gumri, but if you filled up the side where you bake it, the food is you filled that up with coals, sharper dummy, it could be kosher. What do you do with knives on Pesach? Knives. How do you kosher knives on Pesach? And I make new ones. I, I can't deal with it. I make new ones. Fine. You're, you can afford it. You can make, afford to make new ones. You're wealthier. What happens if you can't, uh, can't afford it? I didn't really mean I make new ones. I didn't mean to say I just buy new ones and throw out the old ones. I make them like new. How? I wrap the handles in clay. And then I put the iron, the iron part, the metal part, I put in the fire. Right? And put in the fire. And then I took, then I take the handles and I put them in uh, in uh, hot water, in boiling hot water. In other words, apparently he said he 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 wrapped up the handles in the clay because if you put them in the fire, the handles will will burn, right? So the handles presumably were made out of wood. So he puts the iron in the fire and then he and then he takes the handles and puts them does agol on them, puts them in hot water. The is. That you could put them both, you do hagola like we do. Many people kasher their uh, kalim on uh, before Pesach by do, by putting them in boiling hot water. Kli risha, kli risha means it's, it's the kli which is on the on the fire itself, and it's got to be a very very hot temperature. They have these rubber gloves, etc., and they use them. That's how you kasher stuff on Pesach. Amar or all year round, if you're kashering something that had treif in it before. Amar avun eats para magilo barosim. Similarly, if you have a wooden ladle that you use for hot stuff. It's enough, um, uh, you, again, you do agala, you put it in hot water, in, in boiling hot water, that is the same way that it's used. That's what we call it, the way, the way it's absorbed, that's how, you have to, how it gets exuded. In other words, if it's used, a, a ladle's used, let's say, hot soup or hot dishes, so it absorbs through uh, hot water, through you know, hot liquid, and therefore it also exudes that way too. Things that are in fire, things that are used in fire, have to be kashered by fire. 
They asked the following kasha. Uh, what about these glazed vessels? What do we mean by that? You have earthenware vessels that have like a cover, a lining on top of uh, some, uh, like a lead-based, uh, a lead-based cover, right? So, can use those on Pesach. So if it's made, uh, if it's green, what do we mean by green? It's made from a certain kind of earth, earthenware, that they get this, uh, it's like an alum, it calls that. It's very strong and it's very absorbent. So if it's got like a green, uh, a green lining on top, right? It's it's covered with this uh, greenish material. It's also it's earthen it's greenish earthenware. That's very usher because that's very absorbent. So it absorbs so much of the chametz that there's no way to really get it out. But if, let's say you have black or white earthenware vessels, meaning you have a the lining on top is made from this black or white. Material, earth, earthenware. My, that's his question. If it's got like splits, cracks in it, those are certainly also. If it's got cracks in it, you could tell that it, it's very absorbent, and therefore you'll never be able to get it out. The question is if it's very smooth. My, I see there. I see that what that um, that it very it, it, it exudes a lot. The medaisi polten amashkim it a lot of it comes out. Alma believe In other words, it's like sweating a lot. It's like a earthenware vessel that sweats a lot. If it sweats a lot, it shows you that it absorbed a lot, and therefore it's usher. My timer. What's the reason? The Torah gave aid as the Torah testified. The Torah says you got to destroy earthenware vessels. Cannot be kashered like metal and or metal or even wood can be kashered. Uh, but uh, not earthenware vessels because you'll never get it all out. And therefore, he says, you really can't kosher um, tableware, stuff that you use at the table. Before, we had an opinion, if a, a tanner, a earthenware tanner that you kosher on the inside, that the fire's on the inside, so there, 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 that possibly could be kosher. But basically, we don't kosher earthenware vessels. How is this different than yayin esach, which the rabbi said, you can't have... Uh, you can't use wine of Goyim because they possibly used it for Avodah Zorah. Their Mreimer said these very same glazed vessels, whatever, whatever color they were, whether they're black, white, or even green, that seems to be very absorbent, sure, you're allowed to cleanse, cleanse them out and use them. Obviously, you can't use them with the wine that the Goyim had in there, but you can clean them out and use them. is only because the possibility of uh, stam yenum and uh, etc., it's not really an Isidor unless you know for sure that they use it for Avodah Zorah. And over here, it's also only an Isidor because you're not using the yain, you're just using the, the kli that's absorbent. And chametz is Dor and therefore we're more machmed by chametz. He's about and If the Rabbana made it and that said just like by uh, by Chometz, we're machmir about absorption. The same thing should be for Yain Esach. Very simple. One is used hot and one is used cold. By the Yain Esach, it's used cold. It's cold and therefore it's not as absorbent and therefore you can be it can be washed out and cleansed. Whereas by Chometz, we're talking about the uh, cooked dishes. They use dough, and therefore they use hot, and therefore it's more absorbent, and you really can't kosher um, tableware, cookware. You can't use uh, you can't use uh, earthenware, cookware, or tableware cannot be koshered. Things that were used only for cold, 
right? So for example, let's say uh, glasses or things that you used only, uh, dishes that were only used for cold. So things are only used for cold. You can use them on Pesach also, obviously, if you properly, if you clean them out properly. Chutz mean base sore, except for a receptacle that actually had yeast or leaven in there. Because that's very strong. It's, the leaven is very strong. It's very, therefore, it absorbs more. It, it's more absorbent into the, into the receptacle. Omravashi, ubeis haroses, kebeis sore. Haroses is like something acidic, like haroses. It's a kli. Rashi says that they put in vinegar and they also put dough in there. So it's a mixture, you have a dough and vinegar, and because that's very strong, the chomets is very strong, it's also like beisor, it's very shechimutsa kasha, it's fermentation is very, uh, the leaven there is very strong because of the uh, vinegar, and therefore it's more absorbent. Uh, therefore, therefore, it's like, like a beisor where the, le- the leaven is very strong here too, because of the acid of the vinegar, it gets very absorbed into the kli. Amarava. Hani Agni the Mahusa. These uh, Agni are like um, um, troughs that they uh, that they um, uh, need dough in. Uh, these these troughs in Mahusa hold the Tadiri Lamelish Bachamir since they use them to need uh, to meet need leaven in a lot, yeast and dough. Umashu b'chamir, and they leave the leaven in there. Kebeisor shchimusa kashdam. It's also like a base or it's like a receptacle of leaven. So it's pshita. I mean, you just said if it's a receptacle of leaven, and here we're talking about troughs or, or big, uh, you know, big wide uh, um, items uh, like pots, whatever that you that you need the dough in. Um, so obviously, it would be the same thing that use it's used for dough. the same. Keep the riches since they're very wide. Shol bavira, the air, so to speak, the air around it will keep it from being so absorbed. Velobo, and they won't absorb as much. Kamash no, even though they're very wide and open, and they're not deep, uh, so you might think that uh, they don't really get, they're not so absorbent. Kamash no, they are absorbent because any kli that's used for leaven, or as we say, has an acidic acid and dough in there, uh, that gets very absorbed, and therefore you can't use them at all, even though it was used for cold. If it's used for hot, and it's a kli cheres, certainly you can't use it at all. Says the Mishnah, we talked in the, we said before that uh, Hametz, if a guy owned Hametz on Pesach, you can certainly use it after Pesach. You could eat it after Pesach. If you go into a Goyish store after Pesach, even though he owned the Hametz on Pesach, but you know it's kosher, you're allowed to eat it. So, let's say a Nachri, a guy, lent a Jew money, and, and the Jew, before Pesach, he lent him some money. The Jew borrowed money to make Pesach, he needed money. And the, and the Jew gave him his Hametz as a um, as a collateral, gave him his chametz. Now we'll see. The Gemara is going to discuss exactly what are the what are the exact details here. But we'll see. The Gemara is going to explain tomorrow that the Jew actually gave him the chametz to hold on to. He deposited it with him, and he said the deal is: listen, if I don't pay you back on time, the chametz is yours. The chametz is yours. The Shaila is also Shaila among the Rishonim. When when was the money due? Was it due before Pesach or was it due after Pesach? But either way, however you learned that whatever it was due, the point is that he said, if I don't pay you back by a certain date, then the chametz is yours from right now. And he deposited it with him. So in these circumstances, it's very clear. Since he said, if I don't pay you back on time, the chametz is yours from right now. So it comes out that the chametz was in the guy's possession during Pesach. Even though, even if you learn like the summer shanim, that the money was only due after Pesach. So after Pesach, when he didn't, when the Jew couldn't come up with the money, the the uh, uh, the chametz w- became the guy's retroactively to bef- to the time of the loan. Okay, that means that the, that it was in the, in the guy's possession, and it was deposited with, with the guy. It was in the guy's house. 
So therefore, Achra Pesach Mutabar no. If now the, the, the guy said to the Jew, I'll tell you what, you can eat it anyway. You can join me for a meal. As we work out the terms of uh, the payment that you couldn't make, uh, you can join me, have some food. You could have enough from it because it belonged to the guy. The reverse, Yisrael Shilval Nechri Al So let's say Yisrael, a Jew, lent money to a guy before Pesach, and the guy gave the Jew the guy's chametz as a collateral before Pesach. He gave it to Menhel on Pesach. Pesach Under the same circumstance. And he said, if I don't pay you back, it's yours from right now. So it's also. So here we're going to see the Gemara. It's not clear from the mission yet, but the Gemara, the mission, the Gemara is going to explain that we're, in both cases, we're talking about where the collateral was deposited with the lender. And the deal was, if I don't pay you back, it's yours from right now, from the time of the loan. So it's pretty clear retroactively if the guy made the loan that it was in the 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 chametz was in the guy's possession, and if the Jew made the loan to the guy, then it was in the the chametz was in the Jew's possession, and accordingly would be motaraser itmar. To the basic question though of when does a loan become when when you when you um, uh, when you don't pay back your loan and your collateral effectively gets goes to the lender because you couldn't pay the loan back, you, know, you couldn't pay your mortgage. When does he take it over from? So here is a famous machlok, he collects retroactively. In a stam case, now we'll talk about this. I mentioned in the mission, we're talking about, he says specifically, if, you don't, if I don't pay you back, you, you get it from right now. But in a stam case, Abaya says, he collects it retroactively. Rav collects it only going forward. Let's say the borrower, uh, during the time that the loan was outstanding, the, the borrower was mocked to sh- the money or the house or whatever it was that he gave his collateral or he sold it. Well, listen, the Malva had a, had a lien on it, right? He had a prior lien. That's very clear. It's like a first mortgage and a second mortgage, right? If the Malva lent, lent it to him and the guy gave him his house, let's say, as collateral, Okay, and then the guy went and sold the house. Well, obviously, the Malva had a first lien. Well, if you see Malva, the Malva could take it away. Vasi Malva Park, and the Malva, could, even if the guy was Maktishit, it was Maktish the house, the love was Maktish's house, the Malva can come, he has the right to be poted. He still has to pay some money, Rashi explains, because he shouldn't, it shouldn't say that you're poted Hegdish for nothing. You could be poted because it's not really Kedusha Saguf. Kedusha Saguf, we have a call that, that, um, that if you're Maktish something, right, that uh, Hegdish Chametz and Shikras takes away from Meshibud. Meaning that if something becomes chametz, if you owe it and it becomes chametz, it's also the same thing with hegdish. Uh, it could take away a shiva. But over here, we're not talking about kedushas aguf. We're talking about just kedushas damim. So there, it certainly belongs to the malvor. And if the lover was makdashit, or if he sold it, or if he was makdashit, certainly the malvor has the rights to it. It's not most of odin or potas on a chasim. The malvor has the right to add a din. You've got to pay something. You don't have to pay the full amount, but he can be potas on a chasim. Keep pleading the zavin malva the kaddish malva. The question is this: during the time that the loan was outstanding. Right. Eventually, it's going to turn out that the lover can't pay it, and eventually, the collateral will belong to the malva. But what happens if the malva sold it or was makdish it during that time before he actually took possession? He gets it anyway. When the lover can't pay back the loan, the malva gets it lamafreya retroactively. Even the Matazimni, since the time of the loan, the, the, due, the due date of the loan has come, Velopar, and he didn't pay him back, Igloy Mosul Mafreya. It turns out retroactively to be Karbashusayav. It turns out it was originally Veshaprektish, Veshaprezav, and what he sold was, what he sold or what he was Maktish was effective, and he can't change his mind now because it was done. 
For Rabbah says, no, Mikanalabogovin. No, he only gets it from right now. Kivin Dula Havale Zuze, since if the Lova could come up with the cash to pay him back, Havim Misalakim Zuze would have paid him off. Ishtakar turns out the Hashtakakani, therefore, it's only at the time when the Lova says, I kept, sorry, I can't pay it, the due date is coming, he hasn't paid it back. Only at that time does the Malva get it. And technically, technically, the Malva could change his mind. If he was mocked, he was mocked, he can go back on it. And if he sold it, he could take back. He can go back because he's, he didn't have the right to do it. In order to be mocked, there's something we learn out of the Pasek. It's not only enough that you own it. You also have to have it in your possession. So therefore, if he was mocked or he sold it when he didn't have it in his possession, it's invalid. It's, it doesn't work. That's the basic machlokas of Bayarava. How does this fit in with our Mishnah? The Mishnah seems to say that it, it goes retroactively back to the person who was holding on to it, right? That it, that that if the guy held on to it during Pesach, even if the guy was the lender, right? Because he was the guy's lender, it's 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 mutter. And if the Jew held on to it in Pesach, it's usher. How does that fit in with this machlokas? We'll get into that tomorrow, Mitzvah Hashem. Have a good day, everybody. Kol tu. No, it's good. Thank it's you. Good.